Welcome to Warren Radio, with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower, and we are glad you joined us. On Warren Battle Lines, on Warren Radio Battle Lines broadcast, we feature an in-depth Bible study each week. And all correspondence and inquiries of the broadcast of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is Thursday, the 5th of March, 2020. And the scripture reading this week is Exodus chapter 27, starting at verse 20 through chapter 30, verse 10. Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 10 through 27. And the New Testament portion is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Be sure to follow Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag Warren Radio and hashtag Watchman IS. On Instagram, it's hashtag um, Warren Radio. And on LinkedIn, it's hashtag Watchman. And join us on USA.life at, at uh, using hashtag Warren Radio and also MeWe. That's M-E-W-E, hashtag Warren Radio. Warren Radio Network is available through these carriers, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Players, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Podchaser. Be sure to take time to read the pertinent articles by the Watchmen. They're really go along with this day and age we're living in. They're inspired. And please take the time to read them and pass them on to your friends. You can go to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com to listen to the shows and also read the latest articles by the Watchmen. And this week we feature Living Hope and the Apocalypse. As Christians, we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. However, sin and iniquity abound today, and we are warned that the love of many will wax cold. Also, American truth and consequences. The truth and the consequences of any nation falling into sin, pride, and rejecting truth follows an inevitable path of paranoia, fear, and delusion. If you read the beginning sentences of Psalms chapter 2, it will read the following. Why do the heathen rage? And also the fourth estate, fake news and deception. The fourth estate, have you heard of it? It is the fourth estate that has taken center stage today in America. So go to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com and there you can read the articles. And now I invite the watchman.
You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. A little foggy, I guess. Good grief. No, I'm good. It's not foggy out. It's almost summer. That's what it feels like. <laughs> well, today it was beautiful. It's really nice. I'm thankful. Make lift your spirits to have good weather. Yeah, we can say it's about time. Yes. So anyway, what's going on? Anything good? Of course, everything's good. I mean, there are good things. So what's happening? Well, tonight we're doing Tomorrow We Die, Isaiah's prophetic book, part 39. And we're going to get into that, why we titled that Tomorrow We Die. Now, meanwhile... The latest news around here is is that uh, the coronavirus has made it to Colorado, and that's uh, not good. Did you know that the head pastor, uh, the one that came up with the Bible app, you know, um, uh-huh. and it's the real famous one. He has a lot of them, but he ain't. He's uh, been quarantined, him and another pastor, for uh, 14 days. They were speakers uh, in Germany, and uh, there was someone there that came down with it. And, of course, uh, they immediately reported it. And so they were quarantined, weren't in contact with their family or anything. And they should be about... Oh, my uh, goodness about through with it but they say they don't have symptoms they're fine they're just working on ministry stuff so uh you know not everybody that you know is around some of that it's just like a cold you know uh, in a lot of respects and uh, there's been you know the flu is really virulent when we talk about the flu you know a lot of the flu that goes around but uh so at any rate, uh, America is kind of right on edge with uh, with the flu thing. I also noticed that Facebook is not going to carry any more President Trump's ads. Um, so, really? uh, yeah, well, th- they were talking about That's a lot wrong. of that anyway. Yeah, well, I don't I don't care for Facebook anyway, so it don't matter to me. But you know, well, it doesn't matter what. Gonna, I don't think that's going to hurt him anyway. Well, the bottom line of it is, and a number of people, including celebrities, have made this, made uh, the remark that, uh, you know, it's not fair. Um, James Woods was talking about that, too, about, you know, silencing all the conservatives because they disagree with it. And that's not fair either. Yeah. No, and it's not. You know, and they're they're afraid that uh, Trump will use uh, the platform to help get uh, himself elected again. And so remember the Democrats are blaming uh, Facebook for getting him 
Trump elected oh, in the first reason. place. And uh, so at any rate, uh, you know, we shall see. It doesn't matter what yep. man does. We'll just see how all this plays out. I don't trust in the arm of the flesh anyway. I mean, there are certain yeah. things that as human beings, you know, we live we live in the flesh, but we're not of the flesh. So, um, you know, our hope is in the Lord. And as far as that goes, Trump's going to get elected no matter what they do. So. That's right. So if at I any rate, it, I'm go- that's right. Now I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. So uh, in this particular part, we have been discussing uh, some judgment in Isaiah. This is concerning Jerusalem. And uh, we had been talking about the armor, the house of the Lord, uh, or the house of the forest, which uh, was actually an armory uh, that hold uh, that held the weaponry. Um, and uh, Solomon had built a vast storehouse uh, where munitions were laid up. And, and of course, in Isaiah 22, uh, verse 8, he says, And he discovered the covering of Judah, and thou didst look in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. And the covering over Judah, you know, this is interesting because there's a lot of scriptures when we talk about covering. We talk about the banner of the Lord as Christians today, you know, he watches over us and keeps us um, in uh, John 17. It talks about him uh, delivering us from evil, keeping us from the evil. Uh, So the covering of Judah should have been the temple, the priests, the prophets, and following the word of God and being in their covenant. That that would provide the covering. But uh, when the Lord looked at the covering, there was no covering, for they had fell away from the Lord. And uh, their, Judah's uh, particular um, deliverer was the house of the forest. In other words, all their defenses there um the armory that uh they were using that uh, Solomon had built now during the time of Sennacherib uh when he invaded and Hezekiah was there uh he had already gone through most of Judah and uh there was also we've talked about that Ethiopia and Egypt were were terribly concerned and they did feel the wrath eventually of of Assyria but Coming through there, uh, they pillaged the land. I mean, so by the time they got to Judah, even though the army was destroyed at Judah and Hezekiah and and Jerusalem were spared, uh, they had pretty much done a lot of damage up to that point. And within this context, uh, we see exactly what Hezekiah had done. Uh, But uh, in verse 9, it says, You have also seen the breaches of the city of David. Uh, the city of David, of course, that's uh, they call it of David because David is the one that that uh, um, actually uh, defeated Jerusalem and took it as his royal residence. Uh, and uh, and it says and that they are many and you are gathered together the waters at the lower pool. Of course, the breaches of the city is when the wall is breached. Um, 
Now, the breaches uh, were made, and when Sennacherib had come upon uh, Jerusalem, Hezekiah rebuilt the wall and filled in the breaches. Um, and these are the measures that Hezekiah had taken. So when you get and and you look at when they're going to be threatened again, which is actually going to be uh, um, a final time when uh, Babylon uh, destroys and comes into the city, uh, nothing saves them from that, even if they were to build it up. But um, and when we talk about uh, and there, that there are many who are gathered around the waters of the lower pool, these, this is uh, the lower pool where the waters were, were gathered, the canals from the book Brook Creek, uh, Kedron, and uh, it would gather all the waters together so the city could have water. And during a siege, as we pointed out, you know, the, the people who are doing the sieging, they just sit outside the city in the summertime. It's a piece of cake, man. You just sit around. Uh, you know, you keep watch, you're prepared, but, you know, you can eat and drink and pillage other cities while you're waiting for this one to fall because nobody's going to come out of the city. They're just going to spend day after day within the walls of Jerusalem or any city, whichever city they're sieging. And eventually the, the food will run out and eventually almost always the water runs out. But in this case, because of Hezekiah, there was a, a method uh, made for um the waters to come even into Jerusalem. There, there was a, a pathway for the water to come in, but also uh, there was a wall that was built around where the waters were gathered in order to protect it when the people would go out and get some more water. But, uh, you know, the whole bottom line of it is, is that uh, during the time of uh, Hezekiah, when they, when they did send people out to find out what happened, and you can find this whole story in Second Chronicles 32, uh, 2 through 5. Um, uh, Hezekiah says that when he saw, it says when Hezekiah saw that Snickerb was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsels with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? So they made it where the brook was totally stopped up, and they kept the water. And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, and raised it up in the towers, another wall without repaired a Milo in the city of David made darts and shields and abundance. In other words, they're getting ready and they wanted to make sure that nothing would um, hinder that. And in Hezekiah, I mean, in Isaiah 22, 10, it says, you have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, the houses you have broken down to fortify the wall. And so when you, when you have such a force on the outside of the city, you want to make sure that you're able to do something about the inside of the city and the walls and so some of the houses that weren't so good, they would have taken uh, the lumber and anything else that they had if they were made of stone and use it to reinforce uh, the walls. And uh, the most of the rich, and, and you would know the good houses, just like in any city, there are those people that have money and they live in the nicer part of town and they have the, uh, you know, a nice uh, fortification, uh, nice house that can be used as a fortification and, and, uh, uh, the people could fight 
from within that house if the city got breached. So they're all working on this particular thing. And so that's one of the things they did. They took inventory of the houses in the city to determine what they needed to do to fortify the defense. And it says, you also made a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool but you have not looked under the maker there. I've neither had respect to him that fashioned it long ago. And so uh, where they had gathered the water, there was a ditch that came through. And of course, uh, Hezekiah had indeed uh, had something run under the city of Jerusalem. I believe you can still find it to this day under there, a place where the water runs. Uh, And so they made the reservoir. But the point here is they're going through all of this stuff. Now, see, the difference here is that Hezekiah did all these preparations, but he also looked to the Lord God. Uh, Sennacherib, when he came, and his uh, his uh, captain uh, had brought a letter uh, to uh, whoever it was. It was someone. I can't remember offhand who brought it to Hez- uh, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah spread it out before the Lord and read it. And, of course, uh, uh, um, the fact of the matter of it is, is that um, he had kind of, uh, well, he did, he, he dissed the Lord God, you know, and, and this whole thing is in Chronicles. And uh, so we're, we're looking at this, see, and you have Hezekiah who took the time out. And of course, Isaiah came and, and uh, talked to him. Uh, and, of course, said that he wouldn't indeed uh, invade the city. He wouldn't make it. He wouldn't do it at all. And we've already covered that in earlier portions. Now, see, uh, this particular warning it is to Judah, and it does become fulfilled. We talk also about the timeline, Isaiah being before Jeremiah, of course. Uh, and Jeremiah, when he came along, he was that final prophet. There was others along with him, but he was the main final prophet that was targeted with uh, warning um, uh, all the people within uh, Judah or Jerusalem. Um, and, and he was specifically talking about Jerusalem. Of course, all of Judah would fall uh, because once you take uh, the main city like Jerusalem, uh, that's where the king was. That's where the temple was, all the stuff like that. So when you take that city, the rest of it falls. The rest of the country falls. There's nobody left. And so they, they have done all these preparations, and they have followed pretty much what Hezekiah did, except for the fact that they did not look to their maker. Now, of course, Israel, and, and this is the ironic thing, they, they should have known better. It's kind of like America. We should know better than to fall away from the Lord. We say, well, how have we fallen away in a lot of ways? Late-term abortion. Some of our, uh, some of our uh, states uh, passing laws that allow a, an abortion, late-term abortion, and if the baby, uh, if he makes it through an abortion uh, process and he doesn't die, well, the doctors in some of these cities can can kill the live baby, abort him. And, and uh, the nice term, the abortion, you know, uh, that's a nice term. 
And if all these women that wanted abortions would just say it's it's murder, it would be different. But they don't say that. They actually rejoice in, in their abortions. It, you know, and the whole issue here, and they always use this, uh, and of course, we're not talking about abortion here. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that there is sin in, in America, a lot of sin. Uh, and the fact that when you begin to look at the fact of what we do today in this country compared to what we used to do is a lot different. But here, the point, Israel, who had been delivered out of Egypt by Moses, who made a covenant at Sinai, who was led by Joshua, and of course, Caleb was there with him, uh, and went into the promised land, and they defeated everything. They had King David, who was uh, the warrior king, and defeated all their enemies. They had Solomon, who was a type of Christ, and they had, of course, the temple there. And, of course, after his reign, uh, Israel broke into two uh, houses, the southern uh, the southern tribes of Judah uh, and Benjamin. Of course, the Levites were with them in the northern tribes. What we call is the lost tribes of Israel went, you know, were the other portion. And so they were all broke up. And yet in this, both of those houses eventually um, were overthrown. Uh, so the southern tribes never did return like Judah did, although some of them were still found in the land. And to this day, Israel even says you'll find some of them. But pretty much it's uh, in history. We consider them the lost tribes of Israel. And so um, in Isaiah 22, 12, this is this is the the whole issue of why this section is called Tomorrow We Die. Uh, and it reminds me of um, a lot of things when when we when we see this, the Titanic. You know, they said not even God could sink her, and yet it sunk. And there's a scene in the movie where it is sinking. It already hit, and it was sinking, and it was uh, tail was down in the water, uh, and and. Uh, uh, the whole stern, the whole front part of the ship was up in the air, and you had uh, pretty much up, not totally up, because the band was still playing, and they were going to, uh, they they had their drinks there, and they, they had a drink, and it was still pretty stable, and so they started drinking, uh, uh, having a drink, and then playing as, as the guests were trying to find a way to get off, you know, this is a dramatic scene, you know, we're, we're going to play, and, and uh, you know, and as we go into the depths and die, you know, there's something about this. We, we see these kind of movies and there's that romanticism to it. There's that, Oh, wow. Isn't that brave? Isn't that great? Um, you have a lot of jihadists, a Muslim jihadists that, that, uh, uh, believe in what Muhammad told him that if they die in jihad, uh, they're going to go to paradise and they have a reward there. So th there's a lot of different, uh, aspects and faith that actually teach this particular aspect of, of, uh, the romancing of death. But see, the, the thing of it is, this body that you live in, we call it, the, I call it the body of death. It's going to die. The minute you're born, you're growing older until the fact you eventually die. And when you die, you put off this body of flesh. And if you've received the Lord and come to know him, then dying and losing this body of flesh, you're just rid of one vessel to get another vessel, which is uh, that glorified body that the Lord has given us. Uh, he, in John 1, 
you know, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And, and that's how we become the sons of God. We get in a new body, you see. But when we look in the old covenant, the Lord hadn't come yet. So we look forward to that day. And still part of that is walking in the Lord and walking in the old covenant until the new covenant established. And then they transfer over to the new covenant and, uh, uh, there is a scripture that says the Lord led captivity captive, and those captives are the ones in Abraham's bosom in the Old Testament that that walked in a righteous way. Uh, and then when the Lord uh, fulfilled the New Test, the New Covenant, then He would uh, He would tell them what He had done and bring them forward. Uh, at any rate, to get to this. You see, uh, verse 12, and in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping, to mourning, to baldness, to girding with sackcloth. Now, it's important here that we have three words, Lord God hosts, Lord God of hosts. And um, I call this particular phrase the God that's over all agencies. It's very important for you to understand. Lord is Adonai, the proper name of God. Uh, and, of course, it's Lord, and that is Adonai which is the proper name of what we call our God and our Father. And there's the word God that follows Adonai, or follows the word Lord. So it's Lord God. So Lord is Adonai. And the other one is is, uh, Jehovah, which is his covenant name, those who covenant with him. And uh, within that covenant are blessings, and there's also a curse if you follow, follow away. Now, it's interesting to note that when you look in John 3.16, in that context, there is a blessing and a curse in receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive him, you're in the light. But if you do not receive him, you are condemned already. Condemnation is a curse. Uh, So the only way to get out from under that is through the Lord Jesus Christ to receive him. So he's the Lord God. He's Adonai, Jehovah, or Yehovah of hosts. That means over all over uh, all agencies, over everything, over everyone. Everything is under his providence or his wisdom and direction. I just simply say when we talk about hosts, the Lord God of hosts, it's over all agency, every agency known to man, everything there is, Uh, uh, you know, every level of government, every level of social life, every level of religious life, every, every level, every aspect, every point, everything. And so he's over everything, and you're going to be uh, subject to that. And that's why the Lord says that when he comes, he's, he will judge uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. He will judge both of them. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of things to to thank here. And so when you do see judgment, when you're talking about judgment, like we talk about America and the judgment that's coming, but it's coming to the world. And it's not a time, per, you know, per se, to be uh, rejoicing and jumping around. Now, see, this is right on the aspect of being invaded and losing the city and being murdered, being killed, okay? They look outside the city and the troops are there and they have been sieging him. And all the time that they're besieging him, Israel is up on top of the houses. Okay. Now we talked about being up on top of the houses. There's a reason. So the Lord God Adonai, who's called them to weeping, which would represent overflowing weeping sore. Now, if you've heard one of our other uh, particular uh, things I've talked about, and that's the fact uh, when the Lord God sent an angel through the city, and 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 a scribe. This is another angel that writes down everything for the book, 
and uh, you write down and make note of the of the names of all those who are weeping for the sins of the city. On them put a mark. On the rest of them go forth and slay. And do not let your eyes spare for man, woman, or child. Slay them all. Now that's judgment, folks. And it's important for you to understand is when judgment hits, as we see in the in the great tribulation or just a tribulation, the precursor to it, or you look as today as we see around the world. You know, the Lord told us judgment will begin at the house of God. Then if we who are saved barely survive, where will the sinners and the ungodly stand? And we are in a lot of that time right now in the precursor to the great tribulation. Uh, and, of course, when we look at all, all this, it's important to understand that when, if, if you were in that city and looking around and you had all the enemy around, what they should have been doing and what the priest should have done is got the people, went to fasting and praying and asking God to forgive them and to intervene. But they didn't do that. See, that's what you would do, what you should do, even as a Christian, fasting and praying and seeking, uh, seeking the Lord. And uh, so he, he says, the Lord of God, hosts, the Lord God of hosts, calls them to weeping and mourning, to baldness and girding with sackcloth. Um, you know, this, all this is about weeping for your sins and mourning before God, saying we realize it because that's all he wanted. But instead of doing that, they were throwing a party. I mean, who wants to mess around with crying, weeping? you know, and uh, fasting, not eating, you know, and it'll hear baldness, you know, the men would uh, shave their head. Uh, they would, uh, sometimes they would sit in an ash pile, throw ashes over them uh, morning. They would, sackcloth is real rough material uh, that they, that they use. A lot of the prophets would use it to wear it because it, it is uncomfortable and they would wear it. It was an outer garment <clears throat> that they would wear and it was uh, there was a reason they would call uh, they would wear it because it, it was represented mourning and repentance before God. And twenty two thirteen says, uh, and behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen, killing uh, sheep, eating flesh, drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, see, you remember Nineveh. We've talked about Nineveh. Nineveh is the city that um, had, and of course Nineveh is is the Assyrians, but Jonah went there and warned him. He didn't want to go there because he knew that if they repented, the Lord God would forgive him. But he went through eventually after a, a bunch of events where he was swallowed by a fish, spat out, and he finally decided to go do what God told him to do. Uh, and he went and preached, and of course Nineveh repented from the from the king all the way down to the street. They even uh, had the animals in 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 this doing this as well, and so God repented of what they would do, of w what He was going to do to them. But seventy years later, they had forgotten that and had returned to their old ways. And of course, Nahum is the prophet used to warn again Nineveh. And of course, Nineveh did not repent; they were destroyed. And so, um, this is the issue here. See, if, uh, for instance, Abraham asked the Lord God, "Would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if we found so many righteous?" And the Lord said, yeah. And so, uh, well, by the time it was done, they couldn't find enough righteous in the city. Uh, and, of course, the city was destroyed. 
uh, Nineveh repented, and eventually it was destroyed again. Now, see, in Jerusalem now, here they're coming to the end. Maybe they don't believe that God's going to do it. Really, they thought that because it was Israel, because it was Jerusalem, it had its temple, the priests, the prophets, um, you know, that God would not destroy them because this they were the representation of God on earth. But what they forgot was, if you're going to represent the Lord, you have to belong to the Lord. You have to walk in his ways. You have to have respect unto what he wants you to do, which they didn't. They were corrupt from the princes who ran the princes and the king who ran the place. Uh, to the priests and the prophets, and even to the people on the street. Uh, Nobody repented. And, of course, when this particular event came around, and they became surrounded, of course, a lot of people trust in their, um, you know, their siege uh, ability. Now, of course, the others, you know, uh, trust in their siege weapons, which, uh, you know, in later uh, later times was a catapult, and they would throw fires, buckets of fire. They would have, um, you know, big stones, and they would do all kinds of things to heave them up in the air. And uh, that was a siege weapon. During the time of World War II, the siege weapons were tanks and heavy artillery. Uh, people would get in the cities and they would lay low. When you were on the islands of the South Pacific, it, the siege weapon was the boats. Now, my dad was a, a Navy medic in the South Pacific where they had set up uh, uh, the place where they were to operate from. And he looked at a lot of soldiers, many of them that died. And uh, when you get on some of the islands, uh, Saipan and some of the others that the GIs went on, they would blow the living daylights out of it. But when they got on shore, they found there was plenty of the Japanese left because they had dug holes into the earth and uh, they were safe. And this was what they did. It, It was some of the hardest parts of the war was in the South Pacific fighting the Japanese. It was horrible. Um, So at any rate, when you're talking about siege weapons and and war, it's not fun. Now, see, God is allowing this because you have his people who are serving other gods. They're taking, you know, the very offerings that he had given them uh, at uh, Sinai had given to Moses. And he had warned Moses, make sure that you make everything. And this is... uh, um, Uh, the tabernacle, the portable tabernacle. He says, make sure you make everything exactly as I told, showed you in the Mount. Uh, And that was very imperative. This was very, very serious stuff. And they were given certain things they had to do, things they had to follow. But see, by the time you get to this point here, Israel had backslidden a lot. They were offering their children to fire. Um, they also had a lot of other gods that they were sacrificing. They they were giving them drink offerings, the same stuff they'd give to Jehovah. And so they were totally backslidden, lost. Um, and, and, of course, you know, they kept the feasts. They, they did everything that you would normally, if you were to look at them, uh, well, you know, look at them. They're fine. But they weren't fine. Their hearts were far from God. They weren't doing what they should have been doing. And so when God called them to repent, they didn't. it didn't click with them. They didn't repent. And, of course, the city was overthrown. 
uh, or I mean, uh, first of all, it was uh, encircled. And of course, as far if if you were a, a someone to besiege Jerusalem, it was just like pull up the tent boys and sit. We're going to be here a while because they're going to just close the gates and we're going to save ourselves a lot of trouble. We'll just wait. Uh, until they starve to death and get down to eating rats. And when the rats are gone and all the animals are dead and there's nothing to eat, then we'll, then we'll attack and we'll, we will take it. Uh, so it, it's not a fun thing. Now, see, by the time Sennacherib, this is during the uh, Hezekiah time, this is bef- long before um, uh, Jerusalem going to be falling. This is when uh, Syria first came up upon them. Later on, it was Babylon who destroyed it. But uh, they didn't make it. They sat there to siege, and the next day, they were all dead. Uh, and that was the difference. So Hezekiah stood up to the Lord and, and you know, and laid out what they had said and prayed to him. And God sent his prophet and told him, it's going to be okay. And so... Um, you know, it's really serious. It's just like today in America, we've got a lot of serious moral issues here. We're very, very divided. There's things that are very, very important that we stop doing because of Scripture, because of the stuff in the Torah as well. You may think, well, we're not under the law. Yeah, you are. You're under the law. Right now, the law is grace, and you're okay. And the law says uh, that we're we're going to be redeemed, but it's only for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who believe in the new covenant. And the new covenant is because of his blood, and the blood fulfills the law because God had declared that it's the blood that would provide atonement. It's just that in the old covenant, that atonement was provided through the blood of animals. The modern covenant through Christ was provided, the blood was provided uh, through the Son of God. See, that's the difference, eternal absolute. And so uh, when Christians today are taught by pastors saying that you're not under the law, you are under the law. You've been under the law. Only the law is grace. And uh, part of that law, Paul even talks about love fulfills that law. And that's why Christ talks about love a lot. Uh, So it's a lot of things that that, uh, we're mistaken. We think that we can come in here as Christians and, and have a nation that's living like a bunch of pagans, that we can kill young babies and get away with it that we can uh, walk in ways that are an absolute abominations that other nations before us in scripture have been totally destroyed for. We not only do those things, but encourage others to do it. And we think that we can do this before God and he won't do anything. You're, you are full of it, full of delusion. And I'm telling you that unless you understand why we're going through this and understanding that when we talk about judgment, we should be mourning. And and we've got a major thing coming uh, that everybody's worried about, a coronavirus. I'm not worried about coronavirus in, in the least. I'm not worried about tribulation. I'm not worried about a lot of this stuff. I, I'm I'm going to look to the Lord. I made a choice a long time ago that no matter what happens, I will believe that God will make a way, period. That's it. And uh you know, there, there's this aspect that we are seeing on on uh, a lot of our stuff that we, uh, with our contacts uh, that we have and the articles that were, I mean, the, the reports we're getting in from the field. There's true miracles, signs, and wonders being done in the toughest places where the gospel is being uh, preached or taught. And so uh, this tells us that Christ is right on the front lines with his people. 
And there's some of them that get killed. There's a lot of them that get uh, delivered and the enemy gets saved. I mean, we know this, that this is what's happening. Uh, So you need to understand here that God is the governor of the nations. He is able to bring nations down and you don't like it doesn't matter. You know, your job is what it says here. You need to get to weeping and mourning, fasting and prayer and getting your heart before the Lord in truth and pouring it out. But see, they said, and behold, joy, gladness, slaying of oxen, killing of sheep. Now they're doing that because they're going to, they're feasting. They've been feasting and uh, eating flesh, you know, uh, having a ribeye steak every day, you know, having uh, uh, center cut lamb chops uh, every day, every day, uh, tons of wine, eat, drink, and be merry. This is, uh, uh, this is what a lot of nations do. And it says uh, the key phrase here is for tomorrow we shall die. Well, yeah, you may die physically, but you're going to end up dying spiritually because you rejected the Lord. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. Well, we were in the temple. Well, it didn't matter. Your heart was far from the Lord. And we will get into some of that later too when we talk about fasting and prayer. Some uh, some of the greatest scriptures on fasting and prayer and purpose is is written by Isaiah, and he was writing it to give to the children of Israel as well as to us today. Uh, but uh, you know, it's interesting when you see this that when you're faced with uh, such destruction, you're going to go into a party mode, and you're going to stay in that party mode, half drunk, drinking. And then when it comes time to get killed, you won't feel it. And you've already done all the partying and, okay, it's time to go to sleep. Kill me now. You know, tomorrow I'm going to die. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is, this is the essence of quitting faith. You know, and, and Christ has not called us to quit faith. Christ has called us to walk in faith and to keep faith. And so it's important to understand these things. Uh, No matter what you're going through, you know, there's that point. I mean, you can give up, but Christ hasn't called you to give up. He's called you to fulfill and to walk in him and to be victorious. For I know the thoughts that I, that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and of love to bring you to an expected end. Now that's an old Testament, but that is by far not used up because the Lord Christ calls us to that. And he brings us to an expected end. That's redemption. And he calls us to walk in faith, to be overcomers. Many times we want to know the will of God, and the will of God is written down in his word of God. Many times you wonder why you're so sick when, in essence, God has given you the power and the faith to rebuke it. You know, you need to stop sitting on the pews and start standing on the word of God. You need to start looking out instead of looking just to the pastor and the pews around you. You need to get a higher vision and see that God has called you to succeed, not be defeated. He's called you to rise above ineptness into what you can do. It's not what you can't do. It's what God can do for you because God has called you. Your God is a big God, not a little God. He's not an idol. See, this is the difference. Anybody can turn around and say, well, I'm going to die. I'm just going to go out and get drunk and I'll just die. That's fine. That's a quitter. And that's, the you know, the world and the devil loves this, you know. Well, you know, they're being brave. They're going to go out. Uh, they're going to go out in style. They're partying and all this, you know, and, and there's shows that do that when the writers are writing because they know this, this flesh loves it. 
you know, you, you can write a scene and I'm a writer. I write books and I know about these kind of scenes. You can, you can write these things and, you know, make it look like, oh, they're being brave, you know, for tomorrow we're going to die. We'll see in God's world. He doesn't want you to die tomorrow. He wants you to repent and be alive tomorrow so you can serve him. That's the difference. That's what God wanted. He never intended them to go into activity at the hands of Babylon. He would have much rather had them repent, but they wouldn't listen. And so when he sent Jeremiah, he told them they wouldn't listen. When he sent Isaiah, he told them they're not going to listen. God knew this ahead of time. He knew their hearts. This was a people that were stubborn. And even Moses told them they weren't, they were going to backslide. Moses told them when he, before he died, he gave a big, uh, big sermon in Deuteronomy. And he told them that he said, you're going to repent. You're going to backslide against the Lord. Uh, the Lord even threatened to kill all of them coming out of Egypt, and Moses interceded. I mean, this is what we're dealing with here. If you think that uh, Gentiles are extremely stubborn today, look at the Jews. I can give you, uh, we can go through the scripture and we can show you they're stubborn. And even today, they're still looking for God. This is, this is uh, people that calls themselves, you know, the people of God, Israel, and I'm, I'm, I back Israel, and I'm all for Netanyahu. But you see, in Israel alone, they're on their third election, and Netanyahu got delivered. Uh, the people all voted for Netanyahu, but he didn't get enough. He's, he was short one person, one person, in order to have a majority so he could create a government. So now all of his enemies, since they see an opportunity, want to overthrow him and get him out of there. You see, and that's not what the what the people want. The people want him, but because of one person, uh, he's going to get thrown out of there. Uh, and so, I mean, if you're a people of God, why is it so hard for you people to get along? Why don't you realize who your true enemy is? I mean, go look in the mirror. You people need to be united. There's not many of you anyway compared to the nations. But see, um, if we look around, we look at a lot of the Jews, uh, you know, George Soros, you know, he's a Jew, and yet uh, he's not a Christian. He's an agnostic. He he spends his time acting like God. Matter of fact, chapter and verse. I mean, he's come out and talked about it, about playing God with nations because he has so much money. Uh, see, and this is this is what the world is, and you're going to have to decide in this world. Israel had to decide. They decided wrong. They went into captivity. They learned their lesson. If you ever wonder what they felt afterwards, read the book of Lamentations. You know, it's always better to be lamenting and weeping and fasting and praying before the judgment and repent so God will deliver you rather than not repent and getting drunk and ended up either dying or going to captivity and then writing a whole book on lamentations, how bad you were because you were a sinner. That's too late. You need to repent ahead of time. See, you get up to God and you haven't accepted the Lord. You've passed your time of grace, kid. Christ is calling you now to repent, to come to him. That's all he asks. That's all he asks. Isn't that simple? 
It is so hard for people to understand that. But that simple thing, you go over the Middle East, you go in Iran. You know why they hate Christians so much? They're getting persecuted? Well, the Ayatollah came out a number of years ago. We reported on this. It was in the news. He told the the Guard and uh, Iranian Secret Service and others that they had to start cracking down on Christianity because too many Muslims are becoming Christians. When you get into India today under Modi, although Modi is one of the largest uh, democracies on the face of this earth, even Trump said that. Um, you look at that, and uh, the Hindus themselves, they have radical Hindus. That, of course, uh, Modi is with the Nationalist Party. It's the National Hindu Party, and that's what it means. They want everybody to be Hindus, and they have a number of them that have vowed to get rid of every Christian in India. You look into Pakistan, and a lot of the Muslim nations are the same way. They're doing the same way. And why are they doing this? They're afraid of Christianity because former Hindus are becoming Christians by the droves. Former Muslims are becoming Christians by the droves. Around the world, we see God moving. People are are coming to the Lord. And what are Americans doing? They're hedonistic. They're killing babies when they come out of the womb. They're teaching their kids to be more purveyors of evil than they themselves are, doing things that are an abomination before God. What is Europe doing? Well, a lot of their old churches have become mausoleums. They've become all kinds of various things, but not Christian because they've fallen away. Even in Finland, who made the news, I forgot the percentage was, a high percentage of them, although uh, the um, you know, in Finland, uh, the Lutheran Church is really strong there. Uh, a lot of them don't even believe in in the Bible anymore. Jesus Christ, they they just don't. They're they're not there. So you look at where Christianity made an impact. You you call it Christianized uh, Europe and Christianized America and all these other places. Uh, they're falling away from the Lord. Hedonistic totally doing their own thing, just like Israel here is falling away, so has the Western nations. While you look over to those who were serving other gods, a lot of them are repenting and coming to the Lord. That is ironic and that's sad, is it not? It's unbelievable, but that's what's happening. So the opposite happened in Jerusalem. While Nineveh repented at the call of Jonah, <laughs> Israel, the priests, temple, prophets, you know, the government, they, you know, they should have known better. You know, this is the guy, you know, this is the power that was on the mount and it was fire and brimstone. And it was so horrific. Even Moses saw it and shook. I mean, it was it scared the children of Israel so much that it says, Moses, you go talk to him and then tell us what he says. We don't want We don't want it. Whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. But we don't want to talk to him. He's too scary. See, they forgot that. And it does say in Scripture, and it came and there grew up a generation that did not know the Lord God. And in America, we have had a lot of generations grow up to not know the Lord, our God, and our Father, and his only begotten Son, Yahshua, Jesus Christ. They have been taught so many things. None of them are redemptive. 
and everything will damn the soul. And so we are in a mess in America around the world. God is working, and he's going to work in your nation whether you like it or not. You don't have any say-so, <laughs> really. I mean, you, you can even act like a heathen and send your whole nation to hell, but God's still going to save whoever repents in spite of you. So even though America may get judged and Europe will get judged, well, all the nations will get judged, but people are going to get saved, whether you like it or not. And we see that more evident today in areas that there's no way that gospel can go forward. But I've read stories of imams coming to the Lord. I've read stories of every sort about Muslims coming to the Lord. I've read stories, true stories, right from the front of people that were Muslim warriors. They they were going to kill the Christians, and they got saved. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, that don't happen today because we're in the modern world, but it does happen today. And see, you need to get away from just the secularism within your church and understand God is beyond what you see. God is able when you say you can't. When man can do nothing, then God has just begun. And Isaiah 22:14 sums up these these three verses. The, the, the first verse was verse 12. He calls people to weeping, mourning, baldness, to girding with sackcloth, weeping, you know, repenting. The next verse, verse 13, he says, and the people said, well, we're going to uh, behold joy, gladness, slaying oxen, killing the sheep, eat, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow. We shall die. That's the second one. So you say the Lord God speaking and warning them. The people saying, well, we're just going to party because we're going to die anyway. And then God says this. Isaiah says, and it was revealed in my ears by the Lord, Lord of hosts. Now, see, Isaiah heard it through his ears. This is a physical voice. Surely this iniquity shall not be purged till you die, saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord God of hosts. The same phrase that is used in verse 12. It's used. This phrase is used twice in three verses. And the law says where two or more, let every word be confirmed with two or three witnesses. The, the witness here in three verses is the phrase, Lord God of hosts, used twice in those three verses, which illustrates sovereignty. That's actually used, in, used four, uh, three times because in verse 14, it's said twice. Isaiah says it was revealed in my ears by the Lord of hosts. This iniquity will not be purged from you till you die, says the Lord of hosts. So that's actually three times and two times in the final verse. That means you had better listen. You see, and, and so you can say, well, this doesn't matter. But the reaction of the people, the leaders of Judah, <clears throat> indicates a love of life, and they end up, scoffing at death. It, it doesn't matter. And they're also making fun of the will of God. The fact that the Lord God of hosts has their very breath in their hands 
and they don't they take that as nothing and that's the way a lot of people are in the world today a lot of leaders are the chinese uh, government is like that they went through and just tore apart the churches in the last number of years and one big church of wang yi is in jail and his associates in jail his wife was in jail she has released all the people that went there there was a large church it was uh, they had to sign uh, forms in order to not go to jail, and the church was totally destroyed. Now, see, China uh, right now is fighting the coronavirus, and this thing started there. And there's a lot of them, and they're having bad times. Now, see, when you take on the Lord God and you think you're God, the Lord is going to show you how small you really are. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless your people as they hear this. Help them to understand. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word in Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. And you have been listening to our Isaiah series. And we've got a lot of Isaiah left to go. Are you are you there? Hello. I'm not here yet. I had yeah, to, parent. I had to find my phone to unmute it. So I'm back. Well, that where does good. your phone go? I mean, what does it <laughs> run away? Yeah. The dog was hiding it. (laughs) Well, you got to watch her. She likes to hide things. Yeah. So anyway, we're moving right along, slowly at a time. Yep. With Isaiah. Slowly, slowly getting there. It's good. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, we are in 22. We actually are one chapter away from uh, chapter 24. That That's a good chapter. They're all good. Yeah. But at any rate, remember you can go over to warn-usa and danaglennsmith.com. And you can read the articles. You can also listen to the shows. Or you can go to any one of the places that also carry uh, our, our uh, shows. So uh, you can find those lists on our websites as well. So, Tower, we got to get out of here. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us whenever you do. It's good to be here with you all. And you have a great night. And God bless you. We love you and we pray for you. We'll see you tomorrow for Sound of Shofar. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.